Good morning. I think most of you know who I am. I'm Shirley. My husband Ken and I are members here. And uh, I'm just going to move things. I tend to wave my arms around and I hate to miss the flag. Anyways, this is uh, a bowl of fake fruit. So if you were drooling when you came in, stop drooling. It's not going to help. My mom had this fake fruit in her home for years. Um, I, I really think it was a fad at one time to have fake fruit as your interior decoration accessory item or something, because I remember all my aunts had it as well. And I couldn't figure out why as I was looking at it, and I realized they probably had the fake fruit because they lived in the prairies and you don't get fresh fruit in, this, in the winter time. so I guess maybe it was just to spur them on that it was going to be coming. I have to tell you, I am not a fan of it, but it's just not my decorating taste. But uh, just over a year and some ago, my sisters and I were cleaning up my mom's apartment after she had passed away, and uh, we came the fake fruit in the bowl. And what are we going to do with it? And somehow, nobody wanted it, and somehow, we, we just couldn't give, put it on the give it to the thrift store pile. And Ken happened to say, he thought it was kind of cool. I said, okay then I'm going to have it on my counter for a year. And this cool accessory will be on my counter for a year. A uh, year came and went, and it's still on my counter. <laughs> and I'm not even sure why I keep it there, but my granddaughter, granddaughter Jillian, whenever she comes over at some point in the visit, she goes and she takes out the fake plum and she'll say, Oma, this looks so real, I could bite it. And I go, well, you're not going to want to bite it. So it's just, a, maybe it's a thing between Jillian and me. I don't know. I've just gotten used to it. So when the sermon series was introduced about the fruit of the spirit, I, in the morning or dinner, when I'm making dinner, I'd, it's sitting right there, and I'd look at it, and I'd think, well, what, what fruit has been a part of my life today? Or in the morning, what fruit am I going to need today? You know, I thought, what am I doing to have uh, a diet a balanced diet of spiritual fruit in my life. Well, today's fruit special is peace. We're going to be discussing peace. And when I said the word peace, what was the first thing that came to mind? Was it the peace sign? That's very popular. Actually, it was designed in 1958 for the campaign for nuclear disarmament. And now I think it's mainly used by Asian tourists when they're getting their picture taken. <laughs> well, actually, I think... It's, it's always going to be in pictures but with the VBS crowd, like I was one of the volunteers. Kim had us all get together to take a picture, and as she was about to take the picture, the peace sign showed up behind heads. It always shows up. Anyways, how about peace treaties? Did you think of peace treaties? They're talking about peace treaties right now. Well, it's an agreement between two or more hostile parties, usually uh, countries or governments, which is to formally end a state of war. And so I was reading up on it, and from what I gather, it's not that popular anymore because, huh, who'd have thought? They don't work, and they don't last long. They're usually broken. So they're not that popular. Did you think of the Nobel Peace Prize? Some of you might have thought of that. Well, it was created by Alfred Nobel to be awarded annually to those who have done the most or best work for fraternity between nations for the abolition or reduction of standing armies and for the holding and promotion of peace congresses. And from what I read, they said it's been deteriorating into more of a popularity contest. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I was reading. Maybe you thought of 
peace on earth, which the angels declared to the shepherds when they announced Jesus' birth. And maybe you thought of peace of mind, inner peace. Well, by following the simple advice I read in an article, I finally found an answer to achieving inner peace. And the article said, the way to achieve peace of mind is to finish all the things you've started. So I looked around the house to see all the things I'd started and hadn't finished. So before going to bed last night, I finished off the chocolate chip cookies, the jujubes, cherry blossom ice cream, and the dark chocolate covered acai berries, and I have never felt so good. <laughs> Try it, you'll love it, anyways. <laughs> you know what, we live in tense and anxious times. Stress-related illnesses are, have reached epidemic proportions. They're at an all-time high. As I said, I was helping out with the kids at VBS, and so some of the material I was reading, they had a statistic in there which really kind of surprised me, and it said that kids today are more worried than adults who were hospitalized for anxiety in the 1950s. Kids are more worried today than adults who were hospitalized for anxiety in the 1950s. I mean, if you look at the nightly uh, news, it gives vivid details of the latest um, power struggle, illicit drug deals going down, um, terrorist activity, uh, suicides, you name it. Um, in fact, the papers rarely print anything that, that is calming or peaceful. Uh, about a, a month or so ago, Ken and I were at McDonald's for coffee, and I happened to glance over to a, at the table beside us, and the lady was just finishing the newspaper. She says, you want to read the paper? I said, oh, yeah, okay. As she hands it to me, she says, here you go. I've taken out all the bad news. I said, oh. She said, all that's left are the comics and the ads. <laughs> she really did. And so I leafed through it. And you know what? If it wasn't for the comics or the ads, all of it would have been bad news. Oh, and some of the sports. That was not bad if your team was winning. You know, but it was all, you know, it's all about chaos and destruction. So then about uh, just uh, about two weeks ago, I thought, okay, I'm going to listen to global news at six. And I, and I thought, okay, for the first 15 minutes, I'm going to count how many positive things there are. Nothing. It was all chaos, it was murder, it was mayhem, you name it, destruction. There was nothing peaceful, nothing at all. And uh, so the question you come up with is, how can we know the peace of God when our world is falling to pieces around us? And the verse that's kind of propelling the sermon series is Galatians 5.22, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And so today's fruit is peace. So I thought, well, let me give you a definition of peace. Okay, peace is freedom from disturbance. It's quiet and tranquility. It is the concept of harmony and the absence of hostility. It's a lack of conflict. It is freedom from fear or violence. That's a powerful definition. It says a lot in there, freedom from disturbance. It's quiet, it means tranquility. It's the concept of harmony, the absence of hostility, lack of conflict. It's freedom from fear or violence. So when it comes to fruit, you have to either pick it or you go buy it, but usually it, it, is, it has to be picked off of a bush or a tree. Ken and I went raspberry picking this past week, and we had our ice cream pails, and I mean, if I stood there, it wasn't going to happen. I had to pick. We had to pick the raspberries off to plunk them into the pail. 
So how do I, as a Christian then, pick harmony, the absence of hostility? How do I pick this lack of conflict? How do I pick this quiet and tranquility and add that to my life? So for that, we're going to turn to 2 Chronicles. Now, I hope you've brought your Bible. Uh, some of you got your handheld device. You'll be able to find it there. 2 Chronicles is in the first part of the Bible. You got a bunch of Bi books of the Bible, and then you've got 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, and then you come up with the Chronicles. Okay, and we're going to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. This is the story of King Jehoshaphat and how he acquired peace in the midst of major turmoil. Major turmoil. And from this story, we're going to get five lessons. So before I read, I just want to give you a bit of background on King Jehoshaphat. He was the fourth king of the separated kingdom of Judah, and he reigned around the time of 850 to 875 BC. That's for you history buffs because you need to know that. One thing I found interesting is he was very zealous in the commands of God. And so in the third year of his reign, he sent out Levites, other priests, and some special princes to the various cities in Judah for the express purpose of teaching them the book of the law. And those were the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, also known as the Torah. And because Jehoshaphat sought the Lord with all his heart, his honor increased, his reputation increased in the area around him. But also his resources, his riches increased, and that resulted in a huge army coming to take over his land. He was faced with an army made up of the, um, of the, uh, of the area of Moab, Ammon, and Unitas. And they had combined together to war against Judah. Now, when they had marched into, uh, the Israelites had marched into the land many, many years earlier, those three countries were allowed to keep their land. And, uh, but now it seems they weren't happy with what they got, and they wanted to attack God's people. So, we're going to read first, uh, Second Chronicles 21 to 4, and I'll read it out of the NIV. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Munites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Eden, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazen Tamar, which is En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And the first lesson we've learned is fast and seek God. Interesting, Jehoshaphat declared a fast. Now, the first thing most kings would normally do would be to gather all the generals together to sit down and have a powwow and start to strategize and plan and figure out what is our fighting plan. Then you would probably go and decide, how big is my army? Do I need to recruit more people into it? Then you would take inventory. What are your swords, your spears, your shields? Like, how many do you have? He did none of that. In fact, the New King James Version says he feared and he set himself to seek the Lord. Interesting. Fear, it's a very real human emotion. But he dealt with it. And he encouraged not just his generals and the leadership to fast with him. He encouraged all of Judah to fast. And they did. The whole kingdom came together to seek the Lord. 
So what do we do when our peace is threatened? I mean, he was having major turmoil in his country, in his life. What do we do when our peace is threatened? Who do we go to? Who do we talk to? A single woman that I knew in her 40s um, had been dating a fellow who wanted to move it to the next level, which would mean engagement and ultimately marriage. And boy, she just did not know. At her age, she had a successful career, successful social life, uh, loved her job, living in an area she really, really liked. But now, if she married this guy, her whole world was going to be turned upside down. So she talked to this friend. She talked to this friend and this friend. Women, are you getting the idea? Uh, we are. We talk to everybody. Well, she did. And one of her friends was even a family counselor, so she got professional advice. So then she asked me, well, what am I going to tell her that she doesn't already know? And I said, well, what does God say? Have you talked to him? She says, no. I says, well, have you ever, what if you took all that time that you've been using to talk to everybody else and talk to God about it? But I, that's where I left it. Well, what she did is she went away for the day. She went actually to Cultus Lake. And it was her and the Lord. She spent time with the Lord. What did God want her to do in this situation that was upsetting her peace? What did God want her to do? And after a day, she came back, and she knew what she was supposed to do. And for those who want a happy ending, she married the guy. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. But <clears throat> is there something that's robbing you of the peace of God? Is there something that's causing chaos and uh, lack of harmony? Have you ever thought of fasting for a day? I know we talk about fasting from food, fasting from beverages, maybe entertainment, but have we ever thought of fasting from the noise and clamor that's all around us and just taking time and seeing what does God say? Leave the phone at home, the iPad, don't turn on the radio, nothing. Just go away and see what does God say? Be like Jehoshaphat. He called a fast and he sought the Lord. Okay, then lesson number two comes from uh, verses 5 through 12. And let me read them. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord and in, front, in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in, built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name. And we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So, second lesson is, focus on God and what he has done. And before all the people of Judah, Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat stood 
and he focused on what God had done. He declares who God is, the God of heaven, he's the ruler over everything, he's powerful, he's mighty, but he also declares what God has done. He brought them to the land, he gave them this land, he has taken care of them, he's provided for them. Have you thought of doing that? When you're dealing with fear or anxiety, a lack of harmony? Have you ever thought of doing that? Maybe you decide I'm going to fast from all the noise and clamor and see what God wants me to do. Maybe that's when you focus in on God. Regardless, how often do we sit down and just honor God for his attributes, for his power, for his might, his majesty, for his holiness, his justice, his righteousness? How often do we do that? And then how often do we look back and see how God has led? I was thinking of the uh, accident, the motorcycle accident. And you're hearing about motorcycle accidents all over the place. But you're seeing how many hundreds there are out there driving. And I thought, we've not had a serious one in our church. How God has provided, how he's taken care of it. People are traveling hither and yon all summer long. How God is taking care of us. How often do we acknowledge that? Acknowledge the fact of what he has given us. How we are living. We need to do that, you know. And uh, you can declare in verse 12, I love it when it says here, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And when we focus on God and what he has done, our eyes are on God. All right, let's go to lesson three. And it's in verses 13 to 17. <coughs> All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. And he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the paths of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeriel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord he will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Go out to face them. So our lesson number three is face your fears honestly and mean it. Jehoshaphat, he didn't try to run from the issue. He didn't try to ignore that it was happening. And he didn't try running around looking for all the solutions to solve it. And why was that? Because the Lord was fighting his battle. He was with Jehoshaphat. He was with the army. And I think that's a challenge for us today because quite often we either run from what the situation is or we ignore it, or we run around trying to solve it. But all we need to do is face it and name it. And that's what he said here. It says, uh, go out and face them tomorrow. And he's talking about the army. So they face their fear and went out. Know that God is with you just as he was with Jehoshaphat and his army. All right, then let's go to lesson number four, and I'll read uh, verses 18 to 20. So Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. 
early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa, and as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Okay, so Jehoshaphat basically is given the army a pep talk. And, and just to recap, okay, the kingdom of Judah has fasted and sought God. They focused on God and what he has done. By marching out, they are facing their fear. They are naming their fear. They're going to deal with their fear. And so lesson number four is firmly hold to your faith. Firmly hold to your faith. God had told the prophet that the battle was his. You know, if they had not been told, if they had been told not to be discouraged because the Lord was with them. Basically, if God is for us, who can be against us? Hold firmly to your faith. Uh, a good example of firmly holding to your faith when chaos and turmoil are all around is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three young Hebrew men refused to bow down to the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had created. And um, when they were challenged on that, they said, we will not worship your God, your, your image. We will only worship the one true God, Yahweh, Jehovah. And, of course, that infuriated King Nebuchadnezzar. So what was his threat? He was going to throw them into the fiery furnace. And you, most of us know that story. But this is what their answer was. It's in Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 to 18. And they say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They firmly held to your faith. And maybe... Just maybe, as we're grappling with this lack of peace, we need to look at our circumstances and realize, what am I firmly holding to? Am I firmly holding to my faith, this God that I say I follow? Maybe we need a pep talk to challenge us to reread passages of the Bible that talk about solid faith and getting our feet into the word of the Lord. Maybe we need to meditate on God's promises and see what do they mean to me. And maybe we need to memorize some verses, something that we can pull out that will strengthen us, that will, will encourage us and hold us to the faith. I've got some verses here that I'm going to just throw out to you. There's Job 22, 21. The first part of it says, submit to God and be at peace with him. Submit to God. Be at peace with him. Psalm 119, verse 165. Break peace of those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. What a powerful word, verse to help us to hold on to our faith. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Is your mind steadfast? John 16, 33, verse, uh, verse 33, the first part. <coughs> I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In me, in Jesus Christ. Then Ephesians 2, verse 14, the first part. For he himself, that is Jesus Christ, is our peace. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16, the first part. It says, now may the Lord of peace give you peace at 
all times and in every way. Do you know this Lord of peace? Because he will give you peace at all times and in every way. Well, let's move on. Let's look at our last lesson. And it's in, uh, it's just one verse, and it's verse 21. This is a really good one. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Did you get that? He appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. You know what our fifth lesson is? Sing. That's what it says. Sing. They marched out to face what they feared, what was robbing them of their quiet, of their peace, of the tranquility in their life. And you know what? They did it boldly. Do you think, do you think a lot of No, they did it boldly. They sang, you know, and I was just picturing this army. Here they are, you know, they've got new spears and swords and shields and they're polished up and they're shining in the, in the sunlight and they're all in formation, new uniforms. And at the front of them is a choir that is boldly declaring the splendor, the holiness, and the majesty, and the love of God. And did you notice it says sing? It doesn't say think of the words together. No, it says sing. It doesn't say hum the tune. It says to boldly declare. That is to verbalize. And you know what? There's something that's in us that when we say it out loud, when we verbalize what's in our heart, it will affirm our belief. Um, I think of the VBS kids again. I loved it. It was such a powerful story and message that they had. And you know what? They would gather together first thing when they got here at 9 o'clock and they'd have a time together. And then again, just before, like at about 11.30 for the last half hour, they'd all be together in here. And what they did both times is they did a lot of singing. And so they're singing over a bunch of days. So they're repeating the songs over a bunch of days. They know these songs. In fact, I'm still singing them in my head. I can't get them out of my head. Anyways, and I pity the poor families because I think a CD of all the songs went home with the kids. <laughs> that ought to be good. Anyways, but I thought of those songs and the words they were singing. They will be with them till when they're adults. It'll come back to them, the melody and the words. Here are some of the songs they sang. Just a few words. Listen. Through every storm of life, I know you're by my side, so I am holding on to your promises. Wow. That's powerful for a kid to learn. You are the peace in my troubled sea, my lighthouse shining in the darkness. I will follow you. Those are words, and the melody was so catchy. Those are words that they will remember when they're older, when, they, when it seems like everything is crashing in around them. You know, think of the songs that you've sung over the years. Those songs that talk about God's love, about God's power, about his majesty. Um, there, there are several that came to mind for me, uh, you know, that give me what I need when I'm dealing with a, a crisis and there's that lack of harmony or there's, there's just not the peace in my heart that I want to be there. I, I think of the first hymn I learned to play on the piano, and it was, Jesus loves even me. Jesus loves me. You know, I am so glad that my Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has written. That's powerful. And then uh, as a young person, young adult, uh, some of you might remember this one. 
it really ministered to me at a dark time in my life. And that's the song, Through It All. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. And then the gospel song that has ministered many times to me is, He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiple trials, he's multiplied grace. And there are songs that can minister to us, and we need to sing boldly. We need to face our fears and declare who God is in our life and then sing. And I know some of you say, I can't carry a tune in a paper bag. Well, to heck with that. I don't care about that. Then go out someplace where you're all by yourself and sing out loud. Do it in the shower. Do it in the car, whatever it is. You can declare to God who he is. You know, a peaceful person is one who is not necessarily free from trouble, but is one who is not fragmented by the chaos, worry, and conflict around them. So to be able to experience the benefit of any fruit, you have to do more than I'll gaze longingly at it and go, oh, it's so lovely, I'd like some. You actually have to take it, you have to bite into it, and then only then will the nutrients of that fruit be of any benefit to your physical body. Well, you know what's the same with the spiritual fruit? It's only when you take that spiritual fruit and make it a part of your life, will it be of spiritual benefit to your life. So do you want peace? Well, then fast and seek God. Focus on God and what he has done. Face your fear honestly. Name it for what it is. Firmly hold to your faith because of what God has given us right there in the Bible. And sing. And sing. So, uh, worship team, if you want to come up, or is it coming up, I want to just um, read the lines of a song. And if, before I do that, if there's something that's really causing a major disturbance in your heart, there's this lack of peace and you can't seem to see your way clear, I'd encourage you to come and uh, to the side here, and there's a prayer team, and they will gladly walk with you and help you to claim that peace that is so rightfully ours. So I'm going to close with a few lines from, it's a song called Praise the Lord. And again, something that came, I, I learned this song back when I was a young adult, and these words come back to me many, many times. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord, for our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord. For the chains that seem to bind us serve only to remind us that they drop powerless behind us when we praise the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, there's a lot of stuff in your word that talk to us about praising you, following you, being obedient to you, and allowing you to give us the peace that passes all understanding. And so, Lord, I pray that you will bless us and keep us. I pray that you would make your face to shine on us. You would be gracious to us. Dear Lord, I pray that you turn your face to us and you give us your peace. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to put... Uh